Welcome to Sons and Sparrows podcast. We are so excited to be here today with Derek and Sarah. I'm Misty. And who else do we have here? Jason. <laughs> Let's go. This is going to be fun. What's going on, everybody? That was the Mama Misty Townsend bringing the introduction for today for this podcast. Uh, I'm glad for those that are able to tune in today. And I'm, I'm very, very excited for who we have here in the house that are able to take some time out and join us. Uh, I think the last time we had we had you pop, it was just me and you on here the last time. And so we had talked about trying to get mom on here as well. And I think that was maybe like a couple months ago. So, Yeah, she finally opened up her schedule for us all <laughs> yeah. to be able to be in her presence. And we're thankful. Yeah, I think you were telling me how it's like her, her schedule is so full of prophetic meetings um, women's conferences, women's conferences, that a lot sword of, of the spirit, women's conference, yes, deliverance, willing lots of, of deliverance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So mom, thank you for just for squeezing us in here. For, <laughs> this may be a, a quick 30 minute podcast, but I'm extremely thankful mm-hmm. and honored, <laughs> but, uh, awesome. Awesome. I'm glad that you guys are here. Um, let's kind of open this up with, um, who you guys are. Um, I know that's, that's a loaded thing, and that could be a good couple of hours. We are Hefzibah. Short and sweet. I love it. How about you, Pop? Beloved. Um, well, um, let's start all the way back at the beginning. Misty and I were married in a place called uh, Eden State Park Ooh. down in Santa Rosa Beach in 2001. <clears throat> um I liked it because it reminded me of the Garden of Eden, right? Mm -hmm. And we got married underneath a 500-year-old oak tree, Um, 522 years old now. (laughs) Simple math, we've been married for 22 years. And so, right? Is that right? Yes. Carry the foot. Yes. Yes. That's accurate. Um, But one thing that a lot of people may not know about us in our wedding vows to each other was to wreck our lives for Jesus. Yeah. And I feel like we've been really successful at that. Yes, sir. And so at the core of who we are, that's what we aim at. And that word, some people have heard that, oh, wreck your life for Jesus. Well, it's it's in its purest sense, you know. It's not in some weird thing. It's... We are going to live devoted to Yahshua the Christ and love people accordingly to how much he's loved us. And so at the core of who both of us are, if I'm speaking for both of us, one plus one equaling one, Mm -hmm. then that's what I would say about us that kind of encapsulates who we are and also has um, put us in situations to make decisions that other people wouldn't make. And have even been like, why are y'all making that decision? Well, because rule one is wreck your life, wreck our lives for Jesus. You know? Yeah. Um, even to moving off to the missions field, family were like, what are you doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Y'all have a successful business. The boys are playing soccer. These things are going, yep. But our, our, our vows to each other was to wreck our lives for Jesus. Yeah. So nothing trumps that. Yeah. That's good. We're just all in. We're just all in. Even over the years, there's been um, heart checks, uh, like when we were willing to move to the Dominican Republic, and we we really sincerely thought that was the direction uh, we were headed in. Um, But just even the Lord knowing, we just had that kind of a surrender, that strong of a yes to selling everything, um, moving our two boys at that age, it would have been very difficult because they were in soccer, video games, like all the normal American kids, you know, that they do, and they would be giving up quite a bit. Um, just wanting to, just a, just a strong, pure yes uh, to the Lord. But we knew that that would also include lots of adventures, and that's why we named our that final time we changed the name, we were like, this is going to stick. Because from now on, anything that we do, no matter what it is, can be under this name, 
towns and adventures and it has stuck so everything we do is an adventure and um we just have a strong yes to the lord and i want to say when we um believed that we were going to the dominican republic the pastor that we were under at the time was confirming it um and so we were getting some training and uh we were doing um all the necessary classes to move into the to the nations to prepare to move your family cross-cultural references just all of the things that you do yeah we were we have always lived our lives by we're going to go in this direction and we just know that if we're not headed in the right direction he will correct so we've never lived our lives where we're like sitting stagnant just waiting for a word from the lord what do we do what do we do and thinking we have to hear you know, we know he, we did know even then, um, this would have been like eight, nine years ago, that we're just going to make decisions and go forward in him, and he will redirect our path if, because it says, he goes before you, he directs the paths of the righteous, you know, and, and we've always lived that way, so we've never really gotten hung up on, um, should we do this, and then we just get stuck until we hear something. We just go, we move forward. And we just know he's good enough that he's going to redirect us. And, you know, he did um, because a a big part of our story is we were at a place where we had three months of savings. We had support. We were ready to set a date to actually move to the Dominican Republic full time. And uh, we didn't have peace. So we decided we would do a little fast and just press in for a date. And in the meantime, we felt a strong pull to go to the summit, Destin. Uh, we had some friends there at the time, and we were told this church was just planted, and it was really great. So we went, and um, and everything kind of. Well, we had to complete our there. last class. We yeah. actually visited several different churches and wrote a paper on um, the worship. differences of worship. Mm. Yeah. Wow, I never knew that. And that's what. Some people were like, well, this chick, Nikki Mathis, is, like, phenomenal, and they're there in Destin where y'all are, and Robbie and Nola Thomas, we knew them, and they invited us, and we came, and that's how um, Yahweh began to, that's how he was directing our path, Mm. yeah, if you will, and it was always in our hearts, he knows how to speak to us as individuals, Mm -hmm. so if you want to pull on our heartstrings, it's going to be relational, yeah relational things we are we heavily invest in people's lives relationally um uh, oftentimes before we'll even give advice or, or or bring correction we know that there is relational equity yeah that's good and relational equity is huge so we had relational equity with people that were there at the summit mm-hmm. right and then when we came in of course we were recognized chris and nikki recognized us from the past of yeah. ministering long time ago when we were at... Uh, at Harvest, we were ministering at Harvest <coughs> Vineyard, yeah. but we were being sent there by Christian International. Right. We were under Bishop Bill Hammond and, Tom and Apostles, Apostles Tom, Tom and Jane, Jane Hammond. Yeah. We were there for eight years, from 2000 to 2008. Yep. APTs, baby. Apostolic Prophetic Training. Yep. Loved every minute of it. <laughs> yes. Really and truly did. Yeah. It was, it was shaping. Yep. Honor them. So when we, uh, when Chris and Nikki asked us to come over, we, we felt like, hey, this is, um, we had been at a seeker-friendly church for eight years, and we um, just missed the, like, altar calls and um, speaking in tongues out loud corporately, things Raising that just hands. weren't allowed Um Everybody raised their hands. Most people raised their hands there, but there was just a lot that we were used to that they didn't do there. We knew that our assignment, the Lord told us to go to this church, and and we saw after, you know, in the last few years, we've seen how he took us from one end of the spectrum to the other, and we learned so much. That was really our college, our Bible uh, college, was just being at two different churches for eight years apiece, and doing all that we did. But the beautiful thing was we had permission 
uh, where we were at those eight years, the seeker-friendly church to do all that we wanted to, to really do in the community. Yeah. We, we had a desire to do immediate response vessels, IRV. We wanted to just help single moms, and we, we connected with social workers, and we were like, what are the needs? And we just wanted to meet the needs. And uh, that ended up being a lot of, like, home repairs, you know, people living in um, trailers and having holes in their floors. And, like, they were just so run down, but that's what they could afford. Yeah. So we would come in and just upgrade it and get it safe. So Because some of the moms that we helped, they were getting their kids back. They had lost their kids to the to foster care because they had made some poor choices or had. The f- yeah, the family's first counselors would contact and say, look, this is a fit mom, not asking for rent to get paid, not asking for bills to get paid, not asking for that. But I keep going in and seeing the house and with the kids, it's dangerous. There's exposed electrical wire. The father's in prison or, or something yeah. has happened. There's no man that can fix the flooring and fix the plumbing and if I come back, I'm going to have to take the kids, but this is a fit mom. And so that's where we would go and we would do a complete home makeover mm. when I, I, I mean, not like I'm talking about like what you, you know, whatever it is, HGTV complete. I'm talking about, we showed up with 78 volunteers and we would remove everything out of the wow. house and we would completely restructure it and rebuild it. And they would, we would send the kids off to like, um, uh, what's the name of the park in, in like the, Bicahunas and let the we mom would take go get the a mom, pedicure. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it built up to that. It didn't start yeah. that way. It, it it did build up to that. We were, wild. we were dreaming. We were like, we're going to be like extreme home makeovers, but for Jesus. And, <laughs> um, but what yeah. I wanted to say it was, was beautiful. I think one of the reasons why I wanted to go down this trail for a minute Okay, so in immediate response vessels, we we were all about building relationship. You had said yes. early that everything we do yes. is from relationship. That's yes. what I wanted to get to was IRV was established. We were building relationship with the the social workers. We were building relationship with people in the community. We were we were in landscaping, so we had relationship with all these different businesses, Lowe's and Ace, and so they they had started like they were donating, donating. stuff when wow. we were. But Tens anyway, of thousands of dollars. Holy but these families, we wouldn't go to them and shove Jesus down their throat. We wouldn't even approach them as if they weren't saved and needed to be saved. The approach was, we're going to love on you. You know we're here because of Jesus. And we just didn't, and I mean, we had one one woman that we helped, and uh, nobody, like, tried to get her saved or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And we just loved on her, you know, had real talk. Like, we, it wasn't religious. Like, we weren't trying to talk about, we just built, we were just getting to know her and loving on her. We did all this stuff for her home, and then we left. Yeah. We didn't even end up praying for her. Anything. We just loved on her, and it, I, it just didn't happen. No one prayed for her, and, it awesome. went, and, and we left. And she called me a few days later and said, nobody prayed for me. Nobody asked me. And she said, I've had so many other churches help me. And she was like, but no one's ever just really gotten to know me and built relationship with me. And um, she said, I got down on my hands and knees this morning and just completely surrendered my life to the Lord. And I wanted you to know it's because your team, y'all just loved me. And and so, I mean, that is a perfect example of it's his loving kindness that brings us to repentance. And, you know, and so I so that opened a door for me to really speak and disciple her for a season after that. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought it was sweet because Misty got off the phone and she came to me and she was crying. I'm trying to remember her name. I don't want to say her name oh, on here. I remember. You remember it. her oh, name? Yeah. Okay. Um, Misty came to me and she was crying and she said, "If if we tell the unedited version of the story, she was getting her coffee, and it was early. She just rolled out of the bed, made coffee, and she was looking around at everything that we had done." And it was brand new, everything. Mm-hmm. And her her daughter was asleep in her own bedroom with her own stuff. And it was she had this moment. And she said, I just remember everybody saying, Jesus loves you. That's why we're here. 
And she dropped to her knees and she said, I gave my life to Jesus. And she told Misty, I did it like this. And then she asked Misty, did I do it right? (laughs) And Misty was weeping. And I'm like, yeah, you introduced yourself to the king and received him for who he was. You didn't sign a contract. You didn't repeat after me. It was you and Yahweh alone on your knees in your house. Yeah. And I just remember, that's like my favorite part of the story, that she asked you, Misty. Did I do it right? Did I do it right? <laughs> you can't she do want, it wrong. You know, she wanted to make sure she did it right. And we're like, yes, you did it exactly right. But you know, that wasn't our aim. Yeah. yeah. Our aim was relationship, letting them know that they're loved, you know? Um, did you have so, something else you wanted well, to add? When we that? did street reaches, we would go into communities and love on them. We would go ahead of time and make sure that we could be there, had permission to be there. And we would go and we would hand out flyers and let them know we're going to be here on Saturday. We're going to have stuff for the kids. But we we didn't go all out. Yeah. Like where we were at, they wanted to do big blow up stuff and like go all out. We were like, no, that's not... It needs to be low scale. It just, it's just, you know, grilling out and we'll, we'll bring hula hoops and jump ropes and things like that for the kids. Just love on them and play with them. But we would go to the same place like three or four months in a row. Mm -hmm. And the whole point we told our team, we are building relationship with them so that by the third time you can say, Hey, can I pray for you? And they'll probably say yes, because not as much out of obligation like they would the first time because you've provided them food and stuff, so they feel obligated. But by the third time, it's like, I really want you to pray for me at this point. You've built relationship with me. You've you've shared things about your own life. And you're at a place where you don't even have to ask them what you need to pray you know. for. You know, because you've listened to them. You've gotten to know them. Yeah. And uh, we had a good time. I'm telling you, like, if we could just do all that again, like, I can tell, like, it was a fun, fun season. And we were seeing people, like, just Jason would be go over to talk to somebody and um, to, to decide if what we were going to do at this house or something, and this woman would just get healed. Like, there were things just happening, and, but the aim wasn't salvations, healings, and miracles. It was actually just relationship and letting them know their love. One of the first ones we, well, the very first one we did, we interviewed the woman at the end. And and she said. We have a video of that. Yeah, and she said, I thought the Lord had forgotten about me. Wow. So for her, it was like she knew the Lord, you know, and he sent us to remind her that she's loved it means even more now than it ever did then because of the beloved identity and we didn't even we knew the we knew it but we didn't know to preach it we didn't know to call it beloved identity you know what I mean but like even for her she just wept on her front porch because she was like her daughter had been in a major accident she had twin babies and she had been in a really bad car accident and was paraplegic can you imagine in one day and so she so she brought her paraplegic daughter and her daughter's two babies, her grandbabies, into her uh, mobile oh, home. Yeah. And it was, we, we did a major overhaul, uh, built a, a wheelchair ramp. It was incredible. Yeah, that was the first time that I had a grown man bring me a chainsaw. And he said, uh, I want to cut down those trees. And I said, well, go cut them down. And he said, will you crank the chainsaw for me? I said, if you don't know how to crank a chainsaw, I'm not going <laughs> to hand it back to you. <laughs> you got to watch out with your volunteers. There you go. If they don't know how to operate it or get it started, you might not want them I've to run I've always wanted to operate a chainsaw. Word to the wise. That's some quick I'm just, I'm just right trying there. to help somebody here. <laughs> I'm just trying to help somebody. <laughs> there was many facets. Yeah. Awesome. If you can crank that truck for me, I'll drive it. Nah, <laughs> let's not go that route. I want to make this statement. I know we probably need to move on, but I want to make this statement that the, uh, and, and it was actually Nikki asked me this question one time. She came up to me, Nikki Mathis, and she came up to me and she said, uh, every time I look at you, you're grinning and smiling. 
during worship or whatever. You're just grinning and smiling. She goes, I want to know what that's about. When Misty and I were at CI, it was, um, and we honor them, we love them still to this day. Um, Apostles Tom and Jane and Bishop Bill Hammond, love them, love them, love them. And, and where they are is, is very prophetic, yeah. you know, and that's needed for the body of Christ. They, ha- they have their school where they train people in the prophetic and apostolic, and, and, and it's very doctrinally sound, mm-hmm. extremely sound, forerunners in it. And um, when we were there, it was also, you know, um, a lot of spiritual warfare and a lot of uh, praying and, and warring in the spirit, which needed and necessary. It taught us a lot during that time. That was the lion. Yeah. When Yahweh moved us to the other church uh, <clears throat> that we mentioned earlier, um, it, when we were initially there, it was very pastoral. And we really saw a pastor's heart that was engaged with the people. And it wasn't the, 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 the warring, and it wasn't like it was at CI. And I always saw that as the lamb. Yeah. Very pastoral, very shepherding. And um, I think the permagrin that Nikki was addressing and was genuinely curious about was... I, we, I felt like we had found a people where the lion was laying down with the lamb, mm. you know? Yeah. And I still see that today with what we have at the Southgate. And I've said it, if I've said it once, I've said it 100,000 times. The lamb does not lay down with the lion. The lion lays down with the lamb. Yes. Yes, sir. And, yeah, uh, when Apostle said that not too long ago, yeah, he Apostle did. Damon, and yes. we, me and Jason are sitting in the living room listening, and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> you have been saying that. And that, that is a, that's a big statement. I think that both are needed, that the lion is needed, the lamb is needed. But when you get around a family and a company of people that has the lion laying down with the lamb, like if you poke us enough, We'll do some things in the spirit. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But our goal is love. Yeah. That's our goal. Our goal is rest. Our goal is peace on all sides. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to make that analogy because that is something that I know. It, we look back because that's two blocks of eight years, mm-hmm. eight years at CI and eight years at the other church. That's 16 years. When I look back at it, I believe that Yahweh was teaching me, teaching Misty, how to have the lion lay down with the lamb and approach things from that standpoint, yeah. which I believe has been wonderful. So yeah, I just kind of want to encapsulate what we were saying. I don't know if we really answered your question. Most of the time when people ask us questions about who we are, we divert back to missions field and things that we've done in ministry. But let me make this statement about me and my my bride. <clears throat> we are, I am a father. I'm a better father than I am a pastor. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, um, sir. Pastor is a title that was given, and it is an office that I sit in, but I'm a much better father than I am a pastor. Mm. And I believe that that will be with me for the rest of my life. You know, that, that being my life is like a goal, an aim, um, versus trying to be pastoral in a sense. I believe that what Yahweh is shifting is fathers yeah. in, back in the houses, back in their houses, and both back in church homes, church houses. Um, and so I feel like we're right in line with what the Spirit is doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that getting back to the original question of who we are to kind of encapsulate it, I mean, y'all know us yeah. really well. So is, is um, I love to father people, and I love to love them through all of the boo-boo, yes, nasty, and good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm even willing to be abused inside of that. 
and taken advantage of. That's good. But it's not because I'm ignorant to it. Yeah. I am completely aware of when people are abusing my grace. Mm -hmm. I believe Yahweh is too. Yeah. And um, I know whenever you're kind of, when people are trying to manipulate the, the you know, it's kind of like your fair weather friends, like people that only come around when things are good. Yeah. And then some people that only come to you because, quote unquote, you're a pastor, so they only come to you when things are bad, yeah. but don't want you to celebrate when things are really good. Mm -hmm. How boo-boo is that? That's some boo-boo. You know, a, a father is there for the good and the ugly. Yeah, that's good. And that's fathering. Yes, sir. You know, so to then try to separate yourself and say, well, they're going through some stuff right now, and I don't want to get involved in all of that. Mm -hmm. What are you doing, man? Yeah. Be like me telling Ethan and Landon, yeah, you really messed up. Hope you fix it right. Yeah. Rather than being there with them. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of touch on that for a second. I know no, that's good. my bride has something to add. Well, I think the difference in pastoring and fathering is just a greater level of intimacy. Like we always say that mentoring is different. There's no, there's really no intimacy in mentoring, you know, whereas pastoring, fathering, there should be some level of intimacy there where you're really getting into the gritty. And like, I love, I always share this at the Shulamite company with our ladies, but there's transparency which is like just being honest with yourself and with others where you're at being transparent, yeah. right? No mask. This is who I am. This is what you get. But vulnerability is when you are being transparent, but you're willing for the person you're being vulnerable with to speak into your life. Mm -hmm. We go around and we're vulnerable with all these people that do not need to be speaking into our life. You know, so you, if you have a mother or father in your life, they are the safe place to be vulnerable so that you can open up your life in a transparent way, but you're, but in vulnerability, you're like, but I want to change or I want someone to speak truth or tell me the hard stuff yeah. regarding this situation. So there's a big difference in transparency and vulnerability. And we don't need to be going around being vulnerable with just anybody. <laughs> we need to always be transparent. Yeah. But we don't need to be vulnerable with everyone. Yeah. Um, we need to be vulnerable with those who have a voice in our lives. Um, Waste deep people. So I love, yes. I love that Jason said that because, you know, after we took some at Destin, we'd been there a few years, Apostle Damon had <clears throat> told us it's time for y'all to really surrender to a personal re-identification. And, you know, we didn't really know exactly what that meant, but we were all in. And really on the other side of it... When, when Apostle calls you at 5.45 a.m., you wake up, you listen, and you adhere. Oh, yeah. So right then, yes, we, we re-identified. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it took time. But it was really beautiful because in that season, COVID was going on. Um, the family was coming over to our home a lot. There was just relationships going so deep. And everyone was starting to just call us organically, starting to call us mom and pops. And that really was our re-identification. For me, it was more of, yay, I didn't really ever want to be a pastor. I didn't want to pastor a church kind of a thing. Like we would have never, I say we would have never, but it was never on our radar or consideration to plant a church. Yeah. Like we never had any kind of, like that was the first, like even going to the Dominican Republic, we were not going over there to plant a church. That's not, we were going to go over there and raise disciples. We were going to just look for the ones that were naturally drawn to us. We were going to bring them in our home. We were going to just do life with them and disciple. And so, so that re-identification was really, um, it was everything because then it was like we were stepping into who we really were all along and who, what we were going to be doing wherever we were, whether it was the Dominican Republic or Destin or Crestview, it was raising sons and daughters. Yeah. 
it, we were going to raise disciples. And it, but it's just an even more intimate thing to say sons and daughters. But it's not any different than what Jesus did. He slept with them. He ate with them. It was 12. And he loved them. And he was in their life. He was in their Kool-Aid. That's why I love the Chosen series so much because it kind of, it shows that. Like he bring correction in different conversations they'd have. And you know it was happening so much more than even what we have in the in the scriptures. Yeah. You know it was happening even. And that's how we are. Y'all know that. We spend enough time with y'all that we start seeing things and we address them when it's appropriate. And some things we don't. Some things we're like, Holy Ghost is going to yes. take care of that. <laughs> and then when we see that change we're like all right you know i could just talk about yeah, that i'd forever. say i'd say in leading people um mothering and fathering people you you you'll get a lot of phone calls that are emergency phone calls mm-hmm. or emergency texts and um if you respond right then you're going to hear all kinds of stuff but if you can wait, probably the next day or two days later, they'll text and say, Yahweh fixed it. Yeah. And so what you've done versus trying to come in and be the rescuer by having enough peace and understanding leadership enough, you've allowed them to go to the Father and hear for themselves thus not becoming their Holy Spirit, but pointing them to Yahweh who always fixes it. That's good. Yeah. And so when, you know, there are things that we need to react to at a moment's notice, but there's a lot of life things that people need to discover with the Father, they themselves. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, the next time they're in a moment of crisis, they're going to call and expect you to give the answer. So if you do then give the answer and you do give advice and it doesn't work out the way that they wanted to, they can blame you for bad advice. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how that, it's interesting how that can play out. Mm -hmm. I've seen it play out, you know, Um, just through wisdom, just kind of learn, let people hear if, you know, that's what apostolic does. It points people to Yahweh. Yeah. You know, and, um. That's crucial. You're not carrying a false responsibility. Right. You're not, um, there's not this unhealthy, like, codependency kind of thing. You know, you just don't allow for that. You you can't. Like, we're not anyone's savior. And we really, most of the things that people need done in their life, we can't do them anyway. Now, we can bring truth and and correction and guidance and, and guidance but i mean ultimately like it's the lord that has to do the work anyway we yeah. do know that but but there are some leaders that you know you you do see like your words or your life and direction have an, an impact on their on them and if you're not secure and you find any identity in that at all then it can become this codependency yuck yeah. you know that's so unhealthy and um, so anyway, um, but I was just going to say when you were just when you're talking, because it kind of goes in this, the codependency and, and being able to minister and love on people through relationship in the vein of vulnerability. When you are vulnerable, let's just let's use me as an example. When I come to you guys, vulnerability gives you the, the grace to trust. You know what I mean? Because I have to be able to come to you when I do. I, I have to be able to trust everything that you guys are given to me. And it's even a greater responsibility for those that are entrusted with that to be able to not make it about them to where they're doing exactly what you're saying as leaders to point them to Christ. Mm-hmm. Because that's what causes that dependency is every time you come to me, I'm going to make it about me on how I can bring that healing to you. Mm-hmm. And so now every time you're hurt, I'm going to go and be vulnerable with so-and-so and because they always give me this, this advice, and I feel like they're going to be able to help me every single time. Well, now that brings forth that codependency. Yep. Yeah. And now you've made, you've become Jesus to them in a negative sense. Yeah. Yep. Because now whenever you're no longer around, and that's what I love about you guys, 
when you are out and about hunting or when you're out and about ministering, when you guys are going to different countries and me or Sarah are going through something internally or individually, my first response isn't to, oh, I got to call mom and pop. I got to call mom and pop. It's the feet of Jesus first. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And that, that's, that's how I know the leadership that you guys walk in, that you guys live in, is it's never been about you. Mm. It's always been, let's, let's make this relational, but at the end of this conversation, you're going to know that my Jesus is bigger than me. Yes. And so it, you guys bring that level of we're not we're not about to raise up sons and daughters that become completely dependent upon on us as mothers and fathers well i mean ultimately y'all are supposed to take over what we're doing yeah or do more preferably ultimately um you know I, i'll say this i'll say this until the day that i'm buried that i have not established a ceiling that y'all can stand on. Yeah. But let's be clear. What we're doing is to propel sons and daughters that are around us and others that are around us to go farther, higher, and and greater than what we're doing. Yes, sir. So if all of our advice is self-centered in the fact of always bringing people to us, they won't be able to pass me. Yeah. And the goal is to pass me. Man. Sarah, I want you to pass me. You know, Derek, I want you to pass me. Yeah. And what I know about the throne room, what I know about his presence, what I know about his eyes, what I know about his feet, what I know, I want people to pass us. Yes. And you can't if I keep you codependent on me. That's right. Man. Now I can teach you what I know, which invoke should invoke hunger for self discovery. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal, man. Yeah. Because Jesus is way huge. Yeah. (laughs) Not not discovering yourself, but discovering the Lord yourself. Yes, self-discovery. I know, but I'm just saying, sometimes my mind, when you say self-discovery, I'm thinking like, you know, like you're you discovering discover yourself. Him for yourself. You discover right. him for yourself. Right, but it's, I, and I understand, but yeah. just even to clarify yeah. further, because it's not all about anybody, uh, us. Yeah. It is all about discovering him yeah. for yourself. This was that yes and moment right yes. there. Yes. Instead of the yes. Good job. Yes and. Did yes. I say yes? You did yeah. say yes. So good. You know, the, the funny part about vulnerability is when, when you are exposed to leaders in your life and you're like, hey, this is what's going on. And I just, I, I feel so open right now. When they hear correction or they hear something that they don't like, it's funny how the language changes whenever they get around people instead of now calling you mom and pop it's pastor jason and pastor misty (laughs) that's the first signal to me when someone's walking in a critical spirit that's the first signal to me when someone is being critical or calling us mom and pop yes and it changes yeah and you could hear it in their tone it's so funny because it's like before when when relationship is good and, and everybody's, you know, they're coming to the church and giving hugs and you're used to hearing them scream ac- across the sanctuary or, you know, whatever. And you hear mom and pop, mom and pop, mom and pop. And now all of a sudden it's, well, Pastor Jason or Pastor Misty. And I'm like, it's weird. Or <laughs> Is no, everything okay? Or just Jason and Misty. Yes. And you really know. You're like, oh, okay. yes. <laughs> but it's, but it, <laughs> Pop's been stirring their Kool-Aid. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because that's being in that state of vulnerability it's like I said, you have to be able to trust. If you're if you're wanting to be vulnerable, if you're at that place where you're like, I just want to grow in relationship with someone, you have to be ready to expect some hard answers and not get critical in the process. You have to be willing to be like, man, that stings, that hurts, that sucks, but that's not going to change my level or degree of honor towards my leaders that are that are bringing me closer to Yahweh. Yeah. And I know this is this is elementary to to you guys and everything, but 
it's it's I just think it's vulnerability is a funny thing, but it's it's also such a fragile thing. This is an interesting way to look at it. Being vulnerable to people puts you in under pressure in a pressure tank mm-hmm. because you're being completely vulnerable and you're exposing some things mm-hmm. and you know you're going to get some things that's going to make you feel better, but you're also going to get some things that's going to almost apply pressure in the sense of, of ooh, I need to make a change. Yeah. But name one thing on earth that is precious or has value that wasn't created under weight or pressure. That's true. Yeah. How's a diamond created? Pressure. Everything. Go all of it. Mm-hmm. And the pearl. <laughs> pearl. Oh, my goodness. But if you don't have leaders that are doing that, if you don't have a... a not leaders, if you don't have a mother and father creating that atmosphere to where pressure is uh, allowed, yeah. then are you really growing? Are you really helping to mature sons and daughters? Because if not, all you're doing is allowing them to stay stagnant or stay right where they're at, and they're never growing. Right, you can't yeah, remove the irritants because then they won't become a pearl. You exactly. can't remove the pressure. It's not any different than raising your own biological children. You know, you want to take away everything that hurts them, everything that, that's super hard that they walk through. But at the same time, you know, if, if I can just help them walk through this the right way, that's what they need to learn. They need to learn that, you're going to go through hard things. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be irritants and walking them through it rather than so, cause there are parents out there that all they're doing is trying to insulate their kids and keep any little thing that comes along. They immediately just try to remove everything. And then their kids oh. never mature. They, they never grow character, you know, perseverance and all these things that all these, all that causes. So, yeah. So, and then it goes back to the codependency thing. It still goes back to like being people's Holy spirit, you know, trying to fix things. Like I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting with, with someone and they're crying and they're, they're talking about it. And I'll tell them, I'm like, I wish that I could take this from you. I wish that I could, I wish there was something I could do, you know, but, I can cry with them and be there with them in it, you know, and it's inconvenient sometimes. It is not convenient when you're having a really awesome day and then you find out someone's walking through some seriously awful stuff. Yeah. Cancer, uh, car accidents and the things that are hard that are, that are just life changing, you know, and, and then for you to have to, not have to, but we get to, you know, be there in that with them. I mean, there have been honestly moments where we've had to, we are, this is the calling. This is the yes. And someone's walking through something. It's like, man, I mean, my flesh, like, I do not want, this is going to be hard, you know, and uh, grieving with people and um, but I think, but it's beautiful too, because you get to, you get to do that, but you also get to remind them, you know, like, especially in loss, everybody experiences someone graduating and, uh, the father receiving them. And, uh, we don't grieve like the world does as believers, you know, yeah. and, uh, I've had a lot of experience with grieving with people but also reminding them, like, okay, look, there's no right way to grieve, but at some point you are going to decide and make a shift to live again and to be, and it's okay to have joy and peace in grief. This is a, such a tangent. We probably, you probably need to reel us back in and get <laughs> us okay. back on. Did you have anything, Sarah? Yeah. Sarah, yeah. reel us in. Yes, I'm a woman of many words. Um, No, you guys already answered my first question um, about the difference between a kingdom family and having a mother and a father versus a pastor and congregation. And you talked a little bit about how that was established in our Southgate family. Um, My only two cents to add, I'm glad that you were talking about not wanting people to be codependent on you, because I think for people on the outside who aren't sure about spiritual mothers and fathers, Mm -hmm. there's this... I don't know anybody personally, but I know I've heard yes, you do. people be 
I'm not going to name any names. We want a list. No, but people being afraid of being controlled or Mm -hmm. being afraid of authority, Mm -hmm. and it's quite the opposite. It's permission and it's freedom. And even in the vulnerability and the pressures and the hard times, it's the gateway to freedom. Mm -hmm. It's not controlling at all. Well, you're going to be vulnerable with somebody. That's right. And most people are vulnerable with the wrong people. Now, let's remember, vulnerability is you're open to wisdom, correction, guidance. You're, You're making yourself available to that person to speak into your life. That's the difference, in my opinion, with of transparency and vulnerability. Yes, yes. And so mothers and fathers are very important. I don't want Ethan and Landon to just go be vulnerable with just anybody. Right. I want the counsel that they receive to be strong and yes. sound and the truth. And so, uh, yeah, so it's you can always kind of relate spiritual mothers and fathers and sons and daughters to natural mothers and fathers and sons and daughters if it's healthy you know you can always relate it that way there should be growth I know we've talked many times with some of uh, our sons and daughters about like them maturing we've we've told y'all at different times and different ones of you like you are really growing and maturing one of the ways I know when our sons and daughters are, are maturing is they will start transitioning to a place where they're like, how are y'all doing? Yeah. They'll, you'll call and say, hey, mom, like, I just want to see how you're doing today. It, there's like this shift from it's all about me yes. to, and if you think about it, that happens with your natural children as they grow up. Because <laughs> we see it with Ethan and Landon, like, you know, the first time that your kids are working their own job and they go and buy you a gift with their own money. <laughs> and it's like the best thing ever, you know, and you know they're, they're maturing and they've chosen to, to make something about you when really everything's always been about them. And it's, it's, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's a, it's a process of growth. But, you know, your kids hopefully grow up and you're doing things together and there's a give and take because they've, they're maturing, and you can even start trusting their word and their insight and even their perspective, you know, because you've seen that maturing. And now you're like, you're, you're, not, you're never equals, but you almost are. It's like you, you because they've grown up. Mm. And now you're doing it together, and, and it's an ebb and flow. It's not so much one way as it is when they're younger. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's part of the problem. Why let's just talk about this. Because this is a really good one. Uh-oh. Nope. You know, I don't know where we're going. I think, the har- I think the most difficult part of the whole uh, pastors being mothers and fathers is really for the people in, in the family who are older than the pastors. I think they probably have the heart. You know, you don't, it's very rare that you see the older generation, like people older than Jason and I, being able to fully embrace all the benefits that come with a mother and father because it's so hard to see someone younger than you as your mother or father. You know, like Apostle Damon and Mama Tammy are only two or three years older than us, but the experience that they have, and not only that, they have a mantle and an anointing on yeah. their life we don't have. Yes, ma'am. Mama so Tammy. It is easy to call her mom yes, when ma'am. she is we're the same age. Right. That is not weird to me at all. And I, I could see it had been weird in the past, but it's not weird to me at all because she's not a mom in the natural. Yeah. This is spiritual. This is different. Come on. You know, and so it, it does. And I think that's it's hard sometimes. Or or this was the other thing. This is where my mind went and why we went here was, or there already, there is some levels of maturity and this, like say the older generation that I'm referring to. And so they don't know. They're like, well, can I trust you to see my maturity and me still call you mom and pops kind of thing? Like they don't want to be treated like maybe some of the sons and daughters who are younger or newer mm. in the faith. Does that make sense? They want... They're, I've been walking with the Lord 30 years. 
you know, um, and so, but it's interesting because I will say, like, age in the natural is nothing like spiritual. You know, you could be 60 years old and be a baby in, in, in the faith and your walk with the Lord, you know, um, but you could have someone like some of our kids that are so much more mature than most 40 and 50 year olds spiritually. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so really age, if we could just kind of do a brain bypass with the whole spiritual mother and father and son and daughter thing and, and it not be about natural age, you know, That's good. um, but also like even for us to, there is a tension to like honor people older than us cause they're older than us in the natural, you know, but also be able to mother and father them, even though they're older than us and, if I were to be completely honest, it is it is easier to do it with people our age or younger. But I also think that that's because of, that's been my experience, too. Right. We just haven't had a lot of older people that have been able to embrace that. That's why I love, like, Pastor Dorn Johnson and his relationship with Apostle Damon. Like, yes. he is really pioneering and showing people his age that, it's not about age, yes. and it and it really is not even so much about whether you're mature or not. Pastor Doran Johnson's super mature, mm-hmm. but but he's honoring what is on Apostle Damon's life, yes, and ma'am. he acknowledges that's not on my life. But but Apostle Damon even acknowledges what's on his life's not on mine. That's why we need each other. That's good. I don't. It's anyway. We, I could talk about this for hours because. I, it is a pioneering thing. The sons and daughters, mothers and fathers thing is it's weird to a lot of people. Like you said, Sarah, they, they don't understand it. They're so afraid of control and um, things that abuse, um, it being done the wrong way. Um, you know, so it, it, it definitely, the teachings that are coming forth, uh, the greatest thing that we can do is just actually do it like we're doing I say we we're holy ghosting it <laughs> but uh we're we are pioneering it and we're learning as we go I, I would say <clears throat> to that um when it when it comes to spiritual parenting and those that have that um that thing where they're like man I really want spiritual parents I really need or or, or even have the degree of saying I I need this in my life Know what you're know what you're going in covenant for. Yeah. Because it no longer becomes the place when they when the spiritual parents speak into your life, it no longer becomes an option of what they're saying. To, this is this is just my perspective. Other sons and daughters that belong to you may see this differently. But I do believe my perspective is kingdom because you don't treat Christ's words as an option. And if you have spiritual parents that are the same as Paul, where they're like, follow me as I follow Christ, spiritual parents are not babysitters. They are being mothers and fathers that are pointing you to Christ. Then their words should no longer be an option to you, too. So if they're saying sit and wait, then it's sit and wait. Do not develop a critical spirit. Would you develop the same critical spirit towards Christ? Because if not, then why, why the duplicity? Mm-hmm. These words of wisdom, guidance, love, correction, and we can accept encouragement and that affirmation so much more quickly than we can correction. And that bothers me because then those words don't, aren't an option. They'll run with that. They'll write it down. They'll sit there and say, oh, I'm so wrecked over these words that were spoken over me. But you don't write down the words of correction to help right. bring humility. Yeah. And that carries you. That shows maturity. That those that you are welcoming yourself to those words, and you say these words are concrete in my life because of who you are. It's a covenant. Yeah. But I, I just I wanted to say that 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 these words that you guys give over Sarah and I, I can only speak over my household aren't um, an option. They're not suggestions. They're not suggestions to us. They're concrete. Which would be the difference in a mentor and a father. Yes. Mentoring is, oh, this is what you think is best, but I'm going to take what you've told me and I'm going to do what I want to with it. Yes. There, that, there is a big difference. Well, it's, it was also a different mindset as being a mentor because I've been a mentor. Mm-hmm. I've been a mentor to, to many, both um, uh, 
with their walk, with being a husband, with being a, you know, a father, um, and opening a business and running a business. I've been a mentor. Yes. And, um, as a mentor, I even approached it with, well, this is how I did it. Right. Mm -hmm. But you need to discover how you want to do it. So what I was saying to them, I was giving them the option of allowing it to be a suggestion. Wow. Because I was invested in giving advice. I wasn't invest in and wanting to see them successful. Let's yes, get sir. that part right. Yes, sir. But but the the difference in being a father or being a mother or being a son and being a daughter is I am my, what I'm what I'm saying in teaching in bringing correction or bringing into that is so genuine in the sense that it's not always based off of my personal experiences. When I was a mentor, it was based off of personal experience, helping them come to a conclusion that fits their bill. This is not that. Yes. This is spiritual. This, my advice to a lot, to, to sons and daughters, is not based always off experience. It's what the Holy Spirit yes. is telling me and teaching me to teach to them. Yes. That's completely different yes, than sir. giving advice. Yeah. This is me shutting up what I know in the realm of the flesh about that individual, that son, that daughter, listening to the Holy Spirit and being the oracle to speak it audibly to the person. Yes, sir. It's completely different. And that removes me and my flesh out of the conversation. And allows holy to be holy. Yes, sir. That's good. You know? Those are words of maturity. That's, that's yeah. the direction. That's the, 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 the paved road towards maturity is when you can get your flesh, your, your own self out of the way. Because it's, when you walk in a relationship, it's, oh, I have a word for you. Yeah. I have a prophetic word for you because you know them. Oh, Lord. You, you, you know what you just spoke about over the phone yeah. a few weeks ago yeah. of the trouble. Or, and then you yeah. get on a microphone and that's, that. no, maturity is whenever you're able to set aside that and say, okay, this is what Holy Spirit is speaking in me. Mm -hmm. And when you hear, you, that, that, that's, that's the, the ongoing, that should be the, the common sense thing is when a mother and father speaking, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through them. Mm -hmm. You have to begin to trust the Jesus on the inside of them. Yeah, that's 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 the key right there. Yeah, that's the key to this co to that to this covenant is trusting the Holy Spirit that's inside of them, trusting the Jesus that's inside of them. Yeah, to speak words of truth. You know, good, correctional, yeah, whatever it may be. You know, and 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 it boils down to trust. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Trusting the Holy Spirit in other people. Yes. You know, even like honors reward. There is a reward. If even say you and Sarah came to us and said, should we do this? And, and we're like, all right, we're going to pray into it with you. Y'all are feeling like you're supposed to. So we, we pray into it. And we come back to y'all and say, we feel like y'all need to wait. We're just getting a clear word. Wait. Um, and it's in no way trying to, like, keep y'all or anything like that, but it's just a wait. Well, if we're not hearing correctly from the Lord, so you honoring what the, the leaders that you know the Lord put in your life, you honoring what they say is going to still bring even more reward. And if, they're, if, it, if, if you're not supposed to be waiting and it's time to do that, he is going to make it clear. He will put it on our hearts or something will work out because you, what, we're, what we're doing is we're honoring each other and we're trusting the Holy Spirit and, and we know he can work it out. I know if we went to Apostle Damon and we said, hey, there's this big decision we're making and he says, wait, and we just knew that we knew we were supposed to do it, and he, but he couldn't bring the confirmation we were seeking, we will wait. And, but we know that God is big enough, good enough, strong enough, powerful enough he is going to make it very clear yes you know but i can tell you it works both ways when you go and you say hey we're looking for confirmation and he confirms like when we were buying the homestead our house we called him we wanted confirmation we felt like it was what we were supposed to do but we were like will you pray into this with us 
he prayed and he came back to us a few days later. And you know, not only did he say, yes, I confirm this. He goes, I confirm this. And I confirm that y'all are to put your roots down and go deep. Yes. So we not only got a confirmation, but we got a word. Mm. You know, like we can put our roots down. And that didn't just affect us. That affected Ethan and Landon and it affected the summit, Crestview. Because now these people, we can share with our our people and our family. The Lord has said, put your roots down, which gave them some added peace and assurance that we weren't going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, that's touching on missions and knowing our heart is so big for the missions. People feeling like they have to have a plan B if Jason and Misty one day decide to move off to the missions field. Um, you know, it's it's like this. It, 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 we were seated apostolically and told to put our roots down. Yes, sir. To do anything other than that would be disobedience to the word of the Lord that was given to us by an apostle. That's right. That's right. And I will not move in dishonor and disobedience. Mm. If he says go, we go. If he says stay, we stay. That's right. And he has said stay, remain, abide. And if Misty and I have gotten a common word through our whole marriage and pursuit of wrecking our lives for Jesus, it has been this. Stay, I have an unfinished work for you. Yeah. We've heard that over and over. Yes, he told us 2008, he tells us the same thing 2016, and then it's confirmed through an apostle who became our spiritual father. And, and, and it's like, why would people ever think that all of a sudden we would just up and move to a third world country? <laughs> right? Yes, sir. It's like, that is silly. That's right. It, it really is. Yeah. Because if that was what we were supposed to do, we already would have been doing that. Right. That's true. And because we're not, we, 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 we don't, we don't, when we hear the word of the Lord, we do not procrastinate. Yeah. We well, move. He sent us to Crestview, Florida. We had a complete yes. Yeah. And he said, stay in Destin. And then, and but we still knew we were supposed to be nomadic in that we were to continue renting and then two years later uh Crestview and so we were still um able to just up and move up here the way we needed to and we rented for two years and so we needed to be available to move so we rented for like 15 16 years and we knew we were supposed to that whole time he had never told us to put roots down. Never told us to put roots down. So, you know, but we, and we were just so surrendered. Like, we were willing to go to the Dominican Republic. I wasn't really willing to go to anywhere frozen. Uh, I didn't want to go. I did not. But uh, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I had a yes. My yes was a yes, yes, yes. But, and obviously it was because the humor of the Lord to say, okay, Jason says, I want the worst, hardest mission field there is. And he goes, hey, I'm going to have you stay right here in Destin, Florida and take this church. And that was the whole thing that we got from people. But y'all, Destin's not an easy place to pastor. I'm just saying it's not. Yeah. I mean, you know, and so we won't even go into all that. But Please no. <laughs> but we know that he established us there in preparations for Crestview for all that the Lord wanted to do with Chris and Nikki in Canada. And he wanted to make sure that the family and what they did here for eight years would be taken care of and, and, um, and, and would be stewarded well and loved. And, 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 you know, Chris even told us many times, he was like, y'all are exactly what these people need, you know, and um, I'm thankful for Chris and Nikki. I know how the Lord is, you know, like for us to bump into them the way we did 12 years before we took Summit Destin, um, ministering prophetically there at Harvest Vineyard and them knowing us in that way, uh, 12 years later, walking into the Summit Destin and, um, and, and Chris being like, man, I want to have dinner with y'all. Uh, I remember you guys and um, and just the way that the Lord, it was just that in itself was confirmation. We, uh, we, uh, 
we were moving to the missions field, so we were like, oh, this is great. This is networking. We really did think another, we were coming another, under a, a more appropriate covering. Another church that will financially support us. us in our work. <laughs> <laughs> it was we systemic. Were, we were being taught to network and get our sponsors. I mean, yeah. that's how that's how the that's how it's been done. <laughs> we we believe in a new way where yes. the missions and evangelism and all of this is just completely Really and truly, it's been completely laid down and rebuilt from scratch. Evangelism, missions, obviously from the foundation of Beloved Identity. So...